and welcome to A Path to Redemption, the podcast. My name is Daniel Arona, and just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. Once again, I hope that you've had a great week. I hope that you've been spending time with the Lord in prayer and also in His in, in Scripture. Again, I cannot stress enough how important it is that we stay as close to the Lord as we possibly can because the, the days are growing more and more wicked every single day, and it's just important that we stay close to Him. He's the only thing that's going to get us through. He is our rock. He is our salvation. There is no other foundation that that can be built upon. So just make sure you're staying as close to him as you possibly can. So I know last week we did a little bit of a departure and talked about the order of Melchizedek, but this week I want to talk about as it was in the days of Sodom. But before we get there, again, just some housekeeping items. Um, All of our scripture comes from the New King James Version of the Bible. If you'd like a copy of the New King James Bible, please feel free to drop me a note at pathsredemptionohio at gmail.com. Also, my book is out, Grace Abounds. If you'd like a copy of that, just drop me a note at pathsredemptionohio at gmail.com. Again, they're free. More than happy to put one into your hands. And then finally, again, as always, do not take my word for it. Make sure that you're studying to show yourself approved because you've got to be doing the work here. You've got to make sure that you're understanding what God has for you because the time is short and whatever we're going to do for the Lord, we need to do quick. Because the night is coming where no man may work. Amen. So let's go ahead and let's do a dive in here. Okay. In Luke chapter 17, starting at verse 27, this is what Jesus says about the day of his second coming. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on that day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. So there's a couple of things here that we can peel out from this. The first thing is that they had no idea the destruction was coming. Clearly, Christ says they went about their lives until the day that Lot went out of Sodom. Lot didn't know destruction was coming until the night before when the angel of the Lord told him. You know, it's for this very reason. I I, I know there's some that believe that there's going to be a rapture, then a gap, and then the tribulation. I personally am one that believes that there is not a gap and that it's going to happen and then you're literally going to go into the tribulation the very next day. Um, so that's my own personal belief, but a lot of it comes because Lot got out the, the day before uh, Sodom was destroyed. But regardless of that, you know, you know, this is what, what Genesis 19, 1 through 2 says. It says, Now the two angels came to Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. When Lot saw them, he rose to meet them, and he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Here now, my lords, please turn into your servant's house and spend the night and wash your feet. Then you may rise early and go on your way. And they said, No, but we will spend the night in the open square. See, the vast majority of this world has no idea what is coming. They are looking to, to govern. They're looking to society. They're looking to everything but Christ in order to come and save them and rescue them. Um, they have no idea what's about to happen as the world prepares to give birth to the Antichrist incarnate. Remember, these things are like birth pains. At first, it's it's light and infrequent, but at the end, it's constant and incredibly painful. And I think that we're seeing that now with different things that are happening around the world. The other thing I would say here is that Lot recognized the angels. He absolutely did because he called them my lords. And on top of that, he asked them to come in. Lot sat in the gate and there were plenty of 
of strangers that came in, but it was these that Lot actually invited into his house. This is the same way that true Christians, people that follow the Lord, that are watching and praying, are recognizing the signs of the times and are recognizing exactly what's happening right now. The second thing is that there were two witnesses that came to him right before the destruction to convince him it was coming. There will be two witnesses that will come to the Jews during the tribulation. Revelation 11, 1 through 6 says this, Then I was given a reed like a measuring rod, and the angel stood, saying, Rise and measure the temple of God, the altar, and those who worship there. But leave out the court, which is outside the temple, and do not measure it, for it has been given to the Gentiles. And they will tread the holy city underfoot for forty-two months. And I will give power to my two witnesses, and they will prophesy one thousand two hundred and sixty days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands standing before the God of the earth. And if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. These have been given power to shut up heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and to strike the earth with all plagues as often as they desire. These are the two witnesses that were prophesied in the book of Zechariah prior to the end. In Zechariah 4.12, it says, Then I answered and said to him, What are these two olive trees at the right of the lampstand at an at its left. And I further answered and said to him, what are these two olive branches that drip into the receptacles of two gold pipes from which all the golden oil drains? Then he said, he answered me and said, do you not know what these are? And I said, no, my Lord. So he said, these are the two anointed ones who stand beside the Lord of the whole earth. You see, these angels were the witnesses to Lot and also to his family to pull them out from the destruction, right? The same way that the two witnesses during the tribulation are going to be for the Jewish people. Okay, now the angels in Lot's time had this power as well, but struck the men with blindness for the city was to be destroyed that next day. Genesis nineteen ten through 11 said, but the men reached out their hands and pulled Lot into the house with them and shut the door. And they struck the men who were at the doorway of the house with blindness, both small and great, so that they became weary trying to find the door. Now, the key here is that while out of the mouth is going to come a fire that's going to consume people that want to hurt them, here they blinded these people knowing that destruction was coming next. But in the book of Revelation, there's no record of the two witnesses saving anyone, but rather they prophesy. We don't know what they prophesy, probably of the coming of the day of the Lord, calling all to repent. But regardless, the men of the city go after the angels, not only to do sexually depraved things to them, but to do them harm, while in the end the world will rejoice over the death of these witnesses. So similarly, as the men of Sodom wanted to do harm to the two witnesses in Lot's era, the men of this world are going to want to do harm and will rejoice over the death in in Revelation during the tribulation period, right? And they will rejoice over it and they will throw celebrations as what the Bible says, because ultimately they'll be happy because they've tormented the people for so long. So there's a parallel here between the witnesses that are shown in Revelation and then also the two angels that come to, to get Lot out of Sodom. 
The third thing here is that Lot tried to save the rest of his family, but they did not go. Only a portion of Lot's family would make it out. Genesis 19, 12 through 14 says, Then the men said to Lot, Have you anyone else here, son-in-law, your sons, your daughters, and whomever you have in the city? Take them out of this place, for we will destroy this place, because the outcry against them has grown great before the face of the Lord, and the Lord has sent us to destroy it. So Lot went out and spoke to his sons-in-law, who had married his daughters, and said, Get up, get out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But to his sons-in-law, he seemed to be joking. Despite what the witnesses before, they will be thought of as not as serious at that point, right? So what do I mean by that? The witnesses that come in the book of Revelation, they're not going to be looked at as serious. They're not going to be looked at as prophesying the things that God has, but rather they're going to be a burden to the world based on the things that they will say and prophesy. Only the sealed of Israel are taken up along with the multitude from the tribulation. Revelation 7, 1 through 14 says this, after these things, I saw four angels standing at the four corners of the earth, holding the four winds of the earth that the wind should not blow on the earth, on the sea or on any tree. Then I saw an angel ascending from the east, having the seal of the living God. And he cried with a loud voice to the four angels to whom it was granted to harm the earth and the sea, saying, Do not harm the earth, the sea, or the trees, till we have sealed the servants of our God on their foreheads. And I heard the number of those who were sealed, 144,000 of all the tribes of the children of Israel were sealed. Of the tribe of Judah, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Reuben, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Gad, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Asher, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Naphtali, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Manasseh, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Simeon, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Levi, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Issachar, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Zebulun, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Joseph, 12,000 were sealed. Of the tribe of Benjamin, 12,000 were sealed. After these things, I looked and behold a great multitude, which no one could number, of all nations, tribes, peoples, and tongues, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and the elders and the four living creatures, and fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, saying, Amen. Blessing and glory and wisdom, thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders answered, saying to me, Who are these arrayed in white robes, and where do they come from? And I said to him, Sir, you know. So he said to me, These are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So there will be a tremendous amount of people that will come out of the out of the tribulation and come into the the knowledge of Christ and ultimately be taken up with him. The one side note I will give you here is that there are some Bible scholars who actually say that the Antichrist is going to come from the tribe of Dan because it was because Dan's not mentioned here in Revelation 7. I don't know if that's true or not. You could argue that it goes back to to the the prophecy that Jacob had in Genesis 49, where it says that out of Bashan, um, Dan will will leap as a lion. Um, there's part of that that could go into that. We know that Dan originally was supposed to have an inheritance along the, the Mediterranean coast, close to Philistine. Um, however, it was they decided to abandon that inheritance and actually go up to Bish, the area of Bashan, which is the Golden, Golden Heights at the base of Mount Hermon. Um, but there's a lot of things that are tied into that. Um, I personally don't know. I don't know one way or another, but it's an interesting tidbit to be mentioned here.
So the fourth thing here that, that's a parallel between uh, Lot and also the end is that Lot ran to the wilderness. Um, when the morning dawned, in Genesis 19, 15 through 17, it says, When the morning dawned, the angels urged Lot to hurry, saying, Arise, take your wife and your two daughters who are here, lest you be consumed in the punishment of the city. And while he lingered, the men took hold of his hand, his wife's hand, and the hands of his two daughters. And the Lord being merciful to him, and they brought him out and set him outside the city. So it came to pass, when they had brought them outside the city, that they said, Escape for your life. Do not look behind you, nor stay anywhere in the plain. Escape to the mountain lest you be destroyed. The Jews are going to have a very similar type of escape from from the 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 city where where the abomination of desolation is going to be. And then in Revelation 12, 13 through 17, this is what it says. It says, Now when the dragon saw that he had been cast to the earth, he persecuted the woman who gave birth to the male child. But the woman was given two wings of a great eagle that she might fly into the wilderness to her place, where she is nourished for a time and times and half a time from the presence of the serpent. So the serpent spewed water out of his mouth like a flood after the woman, that he might caused her to be carried away by the flood. But the earth helped the woman, and the earth opened its mouth and swallowed up the flood which the dragon had spewed out of his mouth. And the dragon was enraged with the woman, and he went to make war with the rest of her offspring who keep the commandments of God and have the testimony of Jesus Christ. See, there's a, a fleeing there that's going to happen for the Jews that they're ultimately going to go. A lot of Bible scholars say that that's the ancient city of Petra is where they're going to go to. But importantly, this is what Jesus said about this time. It says there in Matthew 24, 15 through 22, he says, Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation spoken of by Daniel, the prophet, standing in the holy place, whoever reads, let him understand. Then let those who are in Judea flee to the mountains. Let him who is on the housetop not go down to take anything out of his house. And let him who is in the field not go back to get his clothes. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. And pray that your flight may not be in winter or on the Sabbath. For when there will be great tribulation such as not been seen since the beginning of the world until this time, no, nor ever shall be. And unless those days were shortened, no flesh would be saved. But for the elect's sake, those days will be shortened. You see, the remnant of the Jews are going to find safety during that time in the wilderness, just like Lot did in Zohar. And again, as I said, a lot of scholars are going to understand that that's Petra, right? So we see here then that you know lot is a representation of the jews uh, during the during the end of the the end of the age during the the tribulation period you know they're going to have two witnesses they're not going to recognize that destruction is coming um they're going to have an opportunity to be to be saved the witnesses are going to testify to them they'll be raptured out um and then some will actually end up going into the wilderness as well and running into the wilderness as we see that lot did and now that we understand that from lot's perspective Let's really kind of take a look at Sodom's perspective, too. And we know about the homosexuality that happened in Sodom and Gomorrah. Clearly, the men of the city wanted to rape the two witnesses that came to destroy the city. But there are other things that the Bible talks about, specifically Ezekiel 16, 48 through 50. And this is what the Lord says. It says, As I live, says the Lord, neither your sister Sodom nor her daughters have done as you and your daughters have done. Look, this was the iniquity of your sister Sodom. She and her daughter had pride, fullness of food, and abundance of idleness. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And they were haughty and committed abomination before me. Therefore, I took them away 
as I saw fit. So the first one here that's mentioned is that she had pride. We are living in a time that we have never seen a time of pride or of self-righteousness or self-indulgence about everything's about me, 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 I, I, I. There's really no selflessness anymore that really comes into play. And and I think that that, that is a picture of exactly what was going on during the time of Sodom is that it's the self-indulgence, the, the fullness of self. You know, number two, she had the fullness of food. In the majority of the world right now, there is a fullness of food. Africa and other areas are a little different, but in terms of those nations in power, there is food. None of us in America right now, I shouldn't say none of us, but the vast majority of us in America right now can walk to our refrigerator and can get something to eat. We have an abundance of it, right? We are full of it. There's an abundance of idleness. You know, never before in this earth have we seen such convenience for people. We watch TV. I mean, people scroll through TikTok. All of this is idleness. Idleness when things are not working or either not working with your hands or not studying scripture or studying the things. It allows and opens up for, again, the self-indulgence and doing the things that, that we want to do. The fourth thing that's mentioned there is that that she did not take care of the poor and needy. This is material. How we treat the least of these is how we treat Christ. But no one today wants to reach out and lend a hand to their brother in need or offer the time that's needed in order to get to get in into to get them help, right? And notice that all of this was mentioned before the Ezekiel said, and they were haughty and committed abomination before me. And we know that the abomination was the homosexuality, but all of these other things played even more of an important part in the destruction of Sodom than the actual act of homosexuality. And again, the book of Jasher provides additional context here. Jasher 18, 11 through 15 says this, In those days, all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah and of the whole five cities were exceedingly wicked and sinful against the Lord, and they provoked the Lord with their abominations. And they strengthened in aging abominably and scornfully before the Lord. And their wickedness and crimes were in those days great before the Lord. And they had in their land a very extensive valley and about half a day's walk. And in it, there were fountains of water and a great deal of her age surrounding the water. And all the people of Sodom and Gomorrah went there four times in the year with their wives and children and all belonging to them. And they rejoiced there with timbrels and dances. In the time of rejoicing, they would all rise and lay hold of their neighbor's wives. And some, the virgin daughters of their neighbors, this is why Lot offered his virgin daughters, keep that in mind. And they enjoyed them. And each man saw his wife and daughter in the hands of his neighbor and did not say a word. And they did so from morning to night. And they afterward returned home, each man to his house, and each woman to her tent. So they always did four times a year. So on the solstice, on the equinox, what they would do is they would go out and basically have as a city and have a, a ritualistic type of sexual encounter. And it didn't matter with who or how it worked, but rather they just went out and did it. Um, and we're starting to see things that happening just like this. Events like Burning Man in the desert of Arizona, Coachella, etc. are basically the modern day versions of this ritual. The sexual depravity in those are very, very significant. So we understand that obviously we are in and living in that kind of same time. Jasher 19, 8 through 10 also gives additional context to what was written in Ezekiel. And it says, And when a poor man came to their land... 
They would give him silver and gold and cause a proclamation in the whole city not to give him a morsel of bread to eat. And if the stranger should remain there some days and die from from hunger, not having been able to obtain a morsel of bread, then at his death, all the people of the city would come and take their silver and gold, which they had given him. And those that could recognize the silver and gold, which they had given him, took it back. And at his death, they also stripped him of his garments and they would fight about them. And he that prevailed over his neighbor took them. They would after that carry him and bury him under some of the shrubs in the deserts. So they did all the days to anyone that came to them and died in their land. Sodom was not just about homosexuality and sexual depravity, although that was clear that that was a part of this. But we see from Ezekiel that it was more than that. It was how they treated people. They would purposely deceive and try to harm them. We see this happening all the time. However, while not yet sanctioned by cities or governments, except in certain areas like Africa, we still see this happening. So how did all of this affect Lot and how should all of this really affect us? Well, Peter tells us in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 4 through 11. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and deliver them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but save Noah, one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of the Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example to those who afterward would live ungodly, and delivered righteous Lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing lawless deeds. Then the Lord knows how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under punishment for the day of the judgment. And especially those who walk according to the flesh in the lust of uncleanliness and despise authority. They are presumptuous, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries, whereas angels who are greater in power and might do not bring a reveling accusation against them before the Lord. Lot was vexed in his soul due to what was happening. Not unlike how we are supposed to be. And I ask you this question. Are you vexed in your soul looking at the world and looking at what is happening? Again, listen to what the men of Sodom said to Lot in Genesis 19.9. And they said, stand back. Then they said, this one came in to stay here and he keeps acting as a judge. Now we will deal worse with you than with him. So they pressed hard against the man Lot and came near to break down the door. That's just the thing. They said that Lot was being their judge. How many times do we hear, oh, Christians are judging because they're calling out the sin of, of, of homosexuality or because we're doing this or that and the other thing, right? Or, or trying to stand up for the things that are right. But think about that because we live righteously and because we have a way of going about our lives People think that we live in judgment of them, when in all actuality, it's the conviction of it. We don't walk in judgment. We did not die on that cross in order to judge. Only Jesus Christ did. But rather, what we do is we love them enough to tell them the truth, and then it's their choice. It's their choice if they're going to go with Christ and allow Christ to clean them up and allow the Holy Spirit to do that. Because look, everyone sins. Everyone falls short of the glory of God. We are still in this flesh. And as I've said numerous times, the individual in that community still matters, right? But there is an agenda behind what's happening in this world and the the press in the and the pushing and the pressing of the door to be able to get in to what to the things that that are hap- that are happening right now because remember 
Jesus to the church of Laodicea, which is the church of this age right now, said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone will let me in, I will come in and I will dine with him and I will sup with him, right? But here's the thing is that in this time, though, that that same spirit that was over the, the the men of Sodom, that same kind of homosexuality, that same kind of kind of depravity, the same kind of focusing on self, self indulgent, the kind of reprobate mind is trying to bang down the door of Lot's house and trying to infiltrate the one place where righteousness still lives, which should be the church. And some are letting that spirit in rather than the spirit of Jesus Christ. And why is that important? Because you got to understand that that Christ is standing on the outside of a church knocking to try and get in, right? That's a terrible spot for, for people to be. But regardless, that same spirit that, that's dealing with, that, that Lot was dealing with, we're dealing with now, and it is banging down the door, begging us, you know, trying to make us and force us into compromising what the scripture says, what the word of God says, and ultimately the way that the Holy Spirit leads us. We are not judging them, but rather we are living our lives according to the scripture and according to the things that God has ordained. And we are saying that the word of God is a matter of fact, it is the, it is given by God and by given by inspiration and it is infallible. That is the truth of the matter. So understanding that just as Lot was persecuted by those men, persecution will fall to us. Persecution will fall to the true church, the remnant that does not go along with this agenda, that does not go along with this narrative. They persecuted Lot before the witnesses and it vexed his soul. But our God knows how to deliver how to deliver us and how to reserve those for judgment that he needs to. I truly believe it's for this season that Lot is mentioned, or this reason that Lot is mentioned in Hebrews 11. You see, we haven't reached this level of depravity yet. But when the Lord tells us that it will get worse, this is what he's talking about. People are going to come against us. They're going to come against us for holding the truth and righteousness and ultimately trying to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they'll say, well, love is love. And I'm said, I'm sorry, but Christ preached on righteousness and holiness unto the Lord. Be holy as I am holy. All of those things, right? We're not holy in our own flesh. We're only holy by knowing that we are fallen creatures and we need a righteousness of Jesus Christ to make us holy. That's the only way that we can be. And that's the only way that we are. We're not holy in our own flesh or in ourselves. But when we understand what's happening and that we are being pressed on against the door, then we can stand fast the same way that Lot did. And we can see that we our salvation is coming near and that the rapture will be here soon in order to take us out so that we can go and be before the Son of Man and be at the marriage supper of the Lamb. Amen. I think that's so important, right? Because we have a hope. We have a hope in Jesus Christ. And we have a hope in his in His coming and his rapture, right? Now, look. The, the rapture is a joyous occasion for those in the church and for those that believe and those that are holding fast and on tight onto Christ. But I'll be honest with you, the day of the Lord, the second coming of the Lord is, is a tremendous day. And what I mean by that, it's a day where the mountains melt like wax. It is a, it's a great and dreadful day. And we have to understand that because the judgment of the world is, is come at that point. So look, I hope you got something out of this. Next week, Lord willing, we're going to talk about a double portion of iniquity and what it means and and how it's worse now than, than it ever was in the days of Noah or Lot singularly. So, um, But just remember, just focus on Christ. 
he is he is our refuge. He is that strong tower that we can run into in times of need. And just remember to follow him and to and to and to, to worship him and to to do all the things that he asks us to do right now because anything that we're going to do for him we must do quickly. Amen. So look, until next time, just remember this simple truth. The Father loves you, Jesus loves you, and the Holy Spirit loves you. God bless. <laughs>